the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Pastor John Allworth. Compulsive behaviors and addictions are rampant in our society. People are in bondage to alcohol, drugs, pornography, codependent relationships, and more. If you or a loved one is stuck in the cycle of shame, guilt, and continued destructive behavior, keep listening. Recovery Radio Houston with Pastor John Allworth and Tony B. starts now. They'll take your calls and share how the healing power of a personal relationship with Christ saved them and can do the same for you or your loved ones. God wants you to walk into the light. Recovery Radio Houston is live. Good evening, Southeast Texas. This is Pastor John Allworth coming to you from Recovery Radio Houston. I'm here with my co-host, Tony B., and we're excited to be back here in the studio again tonight. Yes. Tony, how are you, brother? Man, three weeks in a row, right? Yeah, three weeks in a row. Huh? Amen. And I think the country is on the mend, and we're here tonight to offer a message of hope and encouragement. Open up. Open up. And you know, there's something that I've repeated, uh, I think, every every episode that I just believe in with all my heart. And that's kind of going to be the focus of our show tonight, and that is that no matter where you find yourself tonight, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God is there with open arms. He he loves you more than you can possibly know, and he's got a mighty purpose in your life. And we're going to interview three people tonight uh, that are going to talk about what God has done, how God has delivered them from from issues, and how God is working in people's. We're going to interview uh, Charles Miller, who's a, a friend of mine, who's been through the Open Door Mission. We're going to interview Lenora Purvis, who runs Heaven's Army, which is a wonderful ministry that that ministers to women who have been trapped in addiction and, and have been abused. And then we're going to interview Pastor Charles Anderson in the last half of the show, who uh, is involved in a ministry called Crosswalk Center, Tony, which which uh, works to rehabilitate people that have been in prison and get them back into into society. I, I you know, and I read something about their program today that just floored me and showed the power of Jesus Christ, and that is that they have that for a whole year they had a zero percent recidivism. Nobody relapsed. Nobody went back to prison that went through their program. And we're not talking about just a couple of guys. We're talking about a lot of men. I'm uh, glad you expanded on that because you said that revitalism. <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. Well, that means nobody went back to I'm jail. I'm a simple man. <laughs> nobody, nobody got uh, got in trouble again and went back to jail. And that is just amazing. And what that does is that shows the power when somebody turns their will and their lives over to Jesus Christ, then things change. And these men uh, and women that are involved in this program at Crosswalk Center are amazing. 
the women that volunteer at, at Heaven's Army are amazing, and the Open Door Mission is amazing. And you know, the, these are these are people that are pointing; they're being obedient to what the Lord wants them to do. And and what I, what the message is to the folks out there is is there is hope. I don't care where you've been, I don't care what you've done, I don't care where you find yourself. If you turn your life over to Jesus Christ, yes. you know, so there's there's more than just sobriety on the on the horizon here. There's more than just recovery. There is a spiritual journey. And if you're with us tonight and, and you, you you are in bondage or, you know, somebody that's uh, that's struggling under the bondage of addiction, uh, come along on a journey of spiritual awakening and join us here. So um, let's let's open with prayer. Tony, um, Father God, we come to you tonight. And Father, you know that. Um, the nation is still struggling, Father, and and we ask that you fill our hearts and our minds with hope and encouragement, because, Father, we believe that, that there is a reason behind this and, and that there's going to be a great awakening in the church. And we pray, Father, for the families that have been inflicted with illness and with sickness. And, Father, we just ask that, that you supernaturally heal them, that you provide their doctors with the wisdom to heal them. And, Father, we we, we just put our trust and our hope in you. Father, give give those families encouragement and hope, Father, and, and heal our nation. And let's come out of this with, with a focus on what's really important, and that is a relationship with you, with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Father God. Let's use this to bring millions to the throne of to the cross. And let let's 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 use this to, to have an awakening as a nation, Father God, and turn our lives and our will over to you. And Father, we pray a a special prayer for anybody that's suffering under the bondage of addiction because they don't have to live that way, Father God. There is a better answer, and that is you. That is a relationship with you because we can't do it on our own. But with you, nothing is impossible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And you know, I, I want to throw in there real quick. Uh, sure. We really have to pray for the leaders of our nation. Yeah, and, we do. And and uh, I'm so grateful for our governor here in Texas, Governor Abbott. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, He's a godly man. He's a man of conviction, and uh, he's a man that struggled through um, disability. Yes, he right. Is. He he, yeah. he has a testimony, and and I was just watching him today talk, and he's very inspirational as far as his hope, and right. as far as his uh, the way he leads, and our president, and and I'm saying all that because this is such a time, and, and those of us in the recovery community too, we have to drop the political stuff. I'm we, glad you said that. We brother. we have to yeah. we have to reunite this country. I really believe in my heart and my soul that part of the purpose of this whole deal was God saying, you know what, enough's enough. Let's take a time out. Let's 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 uh, let's reunite. Yes. Let's, you know, vote who for who you want to uh, support who you want to, but let's do it in a civil manner. Right. Let's have positive discourse. Let's focus on solutions rather than tearing each other down because there's way too much of that in this country. And, and if it, there's anything that drives people into further into their addiction is this spirit of disunity and, oh, and, yeah. and, 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 and political disharmony and arguing and, and nobody agreeing on anything and taking sides on everything. Well, that's what the enemy wants. He wants us all at each other's throats, and yeah. and and uh, so yeah, I'm I'm glad you said that, brother, because we need unity in this country, and we, you know, whether a Democrat or Republicans in office, we need to pray for our leaders. They need godly wisdom, you mm-hmm. know, they really do. And so, uh, well, we've got two calls holding. Let's let's go to our first guest tonight, which is uh, our brother Charles Miller on line one. Charles, how are you tonight? 
Uh, I'm doing well, John. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Thank you for calling. You know, Charles, yes, I know a little bit about your story, but of course the folks in the audience didn't. And it, it is a testament to the power of the blood and to what turning your will and your life over to Jesus Christ. So let's, let's, let's tell folks a little bit about you. When did your addiction problems begin, Charles? Uh, my addiction started when I was 15, 16 years old. Um, I, I got introduced to hard drugs almost immediately. And by the time I was 17, uh, I was, I would have, I would consider myself a full bone junkie. At what age? Um, at 17. And what were you addicted to? Uh, Oxycontin. Wow. And how did you start taking Oxycontin? Uh, the first time I started it, but the second time I, I injected it. But what, what first, uh, when did you first get introduced to it? What, what happened in your life that introduced you to it? Uh, so, I grew, I grew up with a, a great childhood, and I had great parents, but I always felt like I was sheltered, you know? And so uh, when, I, when I got into high school, you know, I wanted to be one of the cool kids. And I'd kind of grown up being picked on a little bit because I was heavy and glasses and goofy as, as, a, as a young kid. And, and so once when I hit my growth spurt and I, you know, was playing sports, I, I, I always wanted to try to fit in, you know? And so... Um, you know, I started hanging out with certain people and, and I was, I got really close to somebody and he used, he was using Oxycontin. And I remember watching him, watching his, his reaction as he experienced that high. And in my mind, I told myself, I, I want that. You now, know, you know, that peer pressure, Tony, that's what happened with me. I, I first smoked marijuana in an alley. Uh, with with some other kids and with a, a girl that I thought was cute and uh, you know I wanted to fit in. Looking uh, at you right now, I can't picture you in an alley. You know, that. <laughs> well, you probably can't picture me as cute either. But but anyway, that that that, that affects so many of us uh, yeah. as young kids. Well, I, and, I first smoked marijuana and drank booze to be accepted by the older kids. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So you you looked up to somebody. You were trying to run with the crowd. You were finally kind of fitting in, and and unfortunately, you took it in a bad direction, and and you started using. Charles, do you mind telling us what part of the country you grew up in? Because I know it's really uh, prevalent in I, certain areas. I, I grew I grew up in uh, Southern Indiana. Yeah. And what's what's crazy is is when I was a teenager, uh, I graduated in two thousand six. Uh, when I was a teenager, it was easier to score opiates. And hard drugs like cocaine and methamphetamine than it was for me to get somebody to go to the liquor store for me. <laughs> wow, that's that's really a testament to, you know the the, you know I played a video on on Facebook the other day, Tony, and it was uh, it was a shootout on the Mexican border. Yeah, and you know you that's that? intense. Yeah, that's intense, and and that's what the enemy's doing. You know, we are. You know, the the Bible tells us that that we're a slave to whatever we obey, and the enemy is entrapping us. You know, we we all. You know, so many of us have fallen into this trap and done that. So, Charles, uh, when you got addicted to the opiates, when's the first time you tried to get sober? Uh, the first time I tried to get sober, I was 19 years old. I, I joined the U.S. Navy. I thought that was the answer. Um, and I, I made it through boot camp, believe it or not, coming off of methadone and, and Oxycontin cold turkey, which let me tell you, that was uh, wow. uh, one of the worst experiences of my life and, and most uh, uh, extremely painful. Um, and I made it through boot camp. I made it through that. And I made it to A school in, in Chicago. Uh, and I came home on leave. And I, 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 I relapsed. And when I went back, I tested. they did a random drug strain, tested positive. 
and immediately coming back home from the discharge because of the shame and the guilt, I jumped right back in, hot and heavier than I was before I went in. Uh, one second, Charles. We have a message here from somebody that's saying, is there any way to hear the caller? We're interviewing Charles Miller. And the only way to hear the caller is to, to go on, on Facebook. Is, uh, you can't hear it on fa- if you're watching Facebook Live. You've got to tune into the radio dial, uh, which is KKHT. 100.7. You can also look at the computer, and uh, and there's a listen live. You can go to kkht.com, or you can download the app. But you can't hear the caller if you're just watching on Facebook Live. So, okay, Charles, you, you went, that is, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'd ever known that part of your story. You, you went through boot camp uh, withdrawing from methadone and Oxycontin. That is a, a miracle. So uh, t- tell us what happened next. Um, so, I mean, naturally, my addiction became way worse than it was. And I got to the point to where, so I'll give you, I'll give you a quick story. So uh, it was around Christmas time and I was staying with my parents. Of course, I didn't have anywhere else to go. And I was using multiple times a day, you know, my, I had track track, track marks all the way up and down my arms. And I was in my room um, and my mom had woke up. I woke her up. It was like 3 a.m. in the morning. And so she come to knock on the door and I, I told her a lie. I said, Hey, I'm wrapping Christmas presents. Don't open the door. Well, she opens her, opens the door to find her, you know, 20 year old son with a needle sticking out of his arm. And she screamed bloody murder. Um, and so that was like, I think the first moment that both my parents came to the realization of my, uh, the enormity of my addiction, you know, cause my dad screamed automatically made the assumption in his head that my mom had just found their only son dead. Uh, because of a drug overdose in, in, in his bed. So did you go to rehab then? Did they send you to rehab? What happened? No, I, I didn't actually. I So, it, it, you know, it was just one of those things where I kept lying and manipulating. And so I ended up going back to school. Um, I went to ITD Tech for almost two or a little over two years. And I, what happened was is I started supplementing for, with Suboxone on the streets. Uh, so I stopped using the needle, but I was still using, you know, every day. And I almost made it to get my associate's degree uh, when my grandfather passed away. And that's when I slipped back into using the needle. And that's when I caught my uh, first case, uh, felony case. And, well, you know, of course, you know, that kept me from going back to college. Well, and that's what you just said about, you know, you almost made it through school. There are so many people out there that believe they are functioning addicts. Mm-hmm. They believe right. that they're they're doing okay, and they're 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 under the bondage of addiction, and some make it longer than others, and whether it's alcohol or drugs, uh, but what they don't realize, or maybe they do, and they just lie to themselves, is they're not realizing their potential <laughs> anywhere close to it. Those that are lucky enough to survive long enough. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Good point, Tony, because he can take you out at any moment. So, uh, Charles, so your grandfather died. You went back to the needle. Uh, when did you first begin to try to struggle with getting sober? Uh, to be honest with you, it wasn't until I, I ended up ultimately going to prison for those charges later on. I mean, you know, they kept trying they kept receiving grace, <laughs> but I kept, you know, returning it back to the sender. And so eventually I went to prison. When I got out of prison in 2015, I came into a program. That's how I got to Texas. Uh, was I came into a program to get clean and sober. Um, and I got clean and sober, and I actually got saved in May of 2015 in, in Magnolia, Texas, but I still had a lot of reservations. You know, I, I still held on to a lot of things. So he was, so I didn't he, really, he, truly... He, he was there for you in 2015, and you finally absolutely. grabbed his hand, and you got saved, but that doesn't mean that our troubles are over or our problems are yeah, you're not unique solved. there, brother. Yeah, so you relapsed <laughs> is, is what I'm hearing. You relapsed in, uh, after that. 
Uh, and as it says in Scripture and Matthew, I believe, you know, where the demon comes back with, with seven friends far worse than itself. Amen, uh, that brother. was definitely the case. Uh, definitely the case. Well, what did Paul um, say? It, what did Paul say about, I continue to do the things that I don't want to do? Absolutely. I don't do the things I want to do, and I, can, yeah. and I don't do, do the things I can't stop. So, and, and, you know, we have to die daily. So you, you and I know part of your story, and um, so anyway, you ended up... Um, as as the expression goes, catching some more cases after that and uh, finding yourself in trouble again. Is that correct, my friend? Yes, sir. Um, very, very much so. In fact, I got uh, I had 15 different altercations with uh, uh, a small town police department in Texas uh, in about mm, probably a month, month and a half time time frame. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So let's 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 get on the downside of this. Let's tell the let's get to the hope and the encouragement. So what Absolutely. led you? What what began your journey to where you're t- you are today, which is a new creation in Christ, my friend? Uh, well, I found out about Open Door Mission through uh, Houston Recovery Center because I was uh, homeless in downtown Houston, eating out of trash cans and 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 using daily, and my family. Uh, decided that enough was enough and it was time for some tough love. So they, uh, my dad came all the way down from Indiana, pulled me out of the gutter. And um, so I was, I was willing to get help. <laughs> and so HRC plugged me in with uh, open door mission. Um, I went and got sober for or got clean first. So I went and went and detox somewhere for uh, 20 days. And then I came to the open door mission. Um, and, and how I mean, long? And during this time when you were homeless, you were, uh, you know, you told me before we we got on air that you didn't mind sharing your story. You were a fugitive. You were you were you were running for the law, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, I, I actually had warrants out in another county, and so that's what drove me to Houston. Uh, was I was I was hiding from the dope man that I robbed, and I was running from the law. <laughs> wow. Um, and when I came to Open Door Mission. I came here with the uh, 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 with the with the plan of not re- not sharing that, like not not dealing with that here. I wanted to get clean. I wanted to get sober. I wanted to reestablish my relationship with God, but I didn't want to address my legal issues yet. You know, and, and God had a different plan, didn't He, my friend? <laughs> he, yes, yes, He did. Uh, absolutely. And, and so, tell us just a, a little bit about the Open Door Mission. What was different about the program that you went through this time? I, it, I mean, it it's a, offers a holistic approach. And when I first came into the program and I heard that, I, I you know, I didn't really understand the holistic approach. But it, it here they they literally give you the resources and the opportunity to address every aspect of your addiction. You know, uh, the, they offer a clinical aspect. They give. We also follow through with the twelve steps here, um, and. And then also they helped me with my legal issues. They introduced me to you, uh, which helped me be able to um, be man enough to say, all right, you know what, it's time to face my consequences. And so ultimately I, I turned, even turned myself in to uh, get, get my life fully, completely straightened out. And that's truly because of this program. And what is the number one principle at, at the Open Door Mission? Number one principle? Yeah, the number one Number one guiding principle, as I understand it, is Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, it's a, definitely a Christ-centered program. I've got one more question for you, my friend, and this is something you told me before. So you got saved in 2015, but you relapsed. Sure. 
And this time, you know, I think Tommy Thompson, the director at the Open Door Mission, uh, everyone that knows you, me, all of us believe that this is a new Charles. What, 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 was, the, what was the thing that, that really changed for you this time, Charles? Uh, it's kind of like the experience that, that Doubting Thomas had. You know, he, Jesus really used my circumstances this time when I came to Houston and I was homeless and living on the streets. He showed me his wounds. You know, I, I was, he, he, I literally feel like that in those circumstances, I was able to touch the holes in his hand and coming back from that, you just, I, I, you know, it's, it's a, it's a feeling that I can't really describe other than the fact of, I felt like Thomas and in that room when Jesus finally allowed him to stick his fingers in his holes. So you, and you you believe that, that you felt the realness of Jesus Christ in your heart and that that's the true transformation. That's the supernatural recovery. That's the supercharged recovery. That's the, what brings the peace that surpasses all understanding. Is that right, my friend? Absolutely. And it's like Psalm 139, which is one of my favorite uh, chapters. And, you know, even though I was in the darkness and I was trying to hide from God, God was not a lot, was not having it. I mean, he kept me that whole time. And I see that now. You know, you know, what's so wonderful is the story of the prodigal son tells us he's always there. He's always there waiting. He's always there with open arms. And those of us that finally see that and turn our lives and our will over to him, uh, life, life just begins. And it's, it's amazing. Charles, I really appreciate you, brother. Uh, I love you. And I, I, I'm just, you know, so excited to go along with you on this journey. And uh, thank you for calling in and we'll be in touch soon, my brother. Well, I greatly appreciate you and love you too, John. All right, Charles. Nice talking to you. Bless. All right. Well, there was a call holding, and they asked for prayer for somebody that was. Uh, this is Mister Groves, I think it was. Yeah, that was suffering from COVID nineteen, and so Father, we we we, you know who this person is. You know what they're struggling with. You know what their symptoms are. Uh, you know what they're dealing with, Father God, and you are the ultimate healer. You are the great physician, and we entrust in you, Father, and we pray for healing. We pray for healing first, supernaturally. Second, that the doctors have the wisdom to do the right things and and heal. And then we all know, Father, that ultimately we're going to lose these bodies, and you're going to heal us supernaturally and eternally. And we thank you for that in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go any further, I want to give a shout-out to somebody that's on Facebook Live, uh, my friend Andrea. Yeah. Uh, Andrea called into the show when I was on with Kyle and uh, without getting too into it, they've uh, her family's in the middle of a huge trial, um, a huge trial, something happened in their family centered, centered around recovery. And uh, God's performing a miracle in her life. She's never been closer to him than now. And it's, she's perfect uh, evidence as to how God works through trials. Yes. And uh, her and her family are going to have a wonderful testimony. Yes, sir. And uh, she said she's sitting in her garage listening to us on the radio. And I just want to give her a special shout out. Tell her that we love her and we miss her and hope we see her soon. And we're praying for her husband. And, yes. And he's uh, okay. Uh, Father God, uh, we just we just thank you for for always being there for all of us. And speaking of something of COVID nineteen and somebody that's recovered, that's the person that was holding. Yeah, we've got somebody on line three. Two, 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 two. Um, oh, oh, I'm sorry, my yeah. bad. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and take the call on two real fast. Yeah. Lenore, if you just hold one second, please. Line two. Uh, Alexandra, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. Thank you for being patient. 
Your husband. Yeah, your I'm husband? always am patient. <laughs> anyway, I want to. I want prayer for my dad, Sean Gross, at the Wayne Unit. They're on lockdown because of the virus. Okay. Well, we, we'll we'll do that. And do you? Uh, oh, because he's exposed to to COVID nineteen. Okay. Well, thank you for calling in again. Uh, we appreciate it because we're going to get to our guest, but we're gonna we're gonna pray for Sean. Sean. Uh, I hope you're listening, brother, and I hope that uh, Jesus Christ is in your heart. I know He's there with you in 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 the prison, and we just we just pray a hedge of protection around you and all the people that are in prison uh, that that you protect them and that you comfort them and that you heal them if they should get sick. In Jesus' name, we pray. Jesus. Amen. All right, let's go to line three. Sorry about that, Lenora. I Lenora, got the lines confused. No problem. Thank you for holding. And uh, we want to talk to you about two things tonight. We want to talk to you about your, your wonderful ministry, Heaven's Army. And then uh, you are a COVID-19 survivor. And we want to talk to you a little bit about that and, and how Jesus yes, healed you. So let's start with Heaven's Army. Can you tell us uh, what Heaven's Army is? Uh, Heaven's Army is, um, I have a home of amazing grace. I rescue women from sex trafficking, domestic violence, and drug addiction. And it's a one-year residential character-building program. Wow. So tell us a little bit about how, how did you get involved in this? Uh, well, my own testimony, um, and I'll make it real short, um, but in 2009, I was faced in prison um, with my third DWI and wow. uh, called out to this God that I did not know. I was completely of the world, never went to church, never read a Bible, um, and I've tried everything else, and so here I was sitting on the top bunk in jail and uh, wanted to know, you know, just, God, if you're real, show me you're real. And I said, you know, I'm not asking for anything except don't take me from my children. It's not their fault that their mom has ended up here, you know, and now they're going to be without a mom. And, you know, never expected that. I went to bed one night, I was drinking and got my DWI, and, you know, while they're sleeping, I'm out drinking and uh so they're gonna wake up and mom's not there and i never know you know where mom went so um it was just a eye opener for me and when my boyfriend at the time he's my husband today about bonded me out of jail uh went to report on that monday morning my probation officer invited me to church and that completely changed my life i've never looked back i've been going to the same church since october uh 2009 and um, it was in two months. I well, I got saved on November first, two thousand nine. Married uh, my living boyfriend at the time. Um, uh oh, must not be AT and T. Must be Sprint. <laughs> well, Nora, I think we're having trouble hearing you. So if you could, I suppose, call back in. Um, you know, but uh, what she said, and we'll wait for her to call back in. But what she said is. It kind of struck my heart, Tony, because, you know, people that are in addiction come into contact with people in law enforcement and people in probation. And, you know, a lot of times they get tough love there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those people go into those occupations for a reason. They go in because they want to help people. They want to protect us. They want to keep us safe. They go into probation because they want to rehabilitate people. Mm-hmm. And so often, he's talking about the people that go through it, then become 
uh, get a career in doing it. Yeah, the career, well, like so many uh, drug addicts become LLDCs. Right. Well, or, or, yeah. well, I'm just talking about probation officers in general, either they're, they're because they've got the background themselves or because they just want to help people in well, society. There's, al- there's also something to be said about once you face your consequences, God opens doors. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But so often people that are in addiction and bondage look negatively at there these people. Is. Okay, good. We'll, we'll bring her back up. Um, Lenore, I was just talking about how you mentioned how your probation officer uh, invited you to church. And so often we look, you know, uh-huh. people that are in addiction and that are in trouble, they look at these people as the enemy. You know, this is right. my probation officer right. trying to catch me, trying to get me in trouble. When they're really applying tough love and they really have a heart to yes. help people. And if people w- yes. that would w- would open up, th- these are servants of God many times. You know, not everybody right. is, but but they're godly people and, and, they, and, and they really want to help. And God puts people in our path that are there to help us. But we have to have yes. ears to listen. We have to be ready yes. to listen. And you were ready to listen because you didn't want to do that to your kids anymore. And and, yes. and and so God brought you to a point where where you wanted to change your life. So where we were at in the story, what where we heard was that in two thousand nine you were saved November and then and then you you married uh, your husband, praise the Lord. So what happened yes. after that? Tell us what happened next. Um after I got married, um and it was a it was in uh, December the 23rd at about 3.30 in the, about 3 o'clock in the morning, the Lord woke me up and told me that, um, I felt in my spirit, he was telling me that he was about to take me to a place that, but the only way he could take me to the place he was wanting to take me was if I was being truthful with my husband. My husband that I'd only been married to for a few weeks did not know that I had gone through years of sexual abuse by my father, and he was friends with my father, um, you know, hunting buddies and fishing and things like that. And so wow. no one knew my secret, um, And but the Lord said that I was going to have to trust him, trust God, with everything, including my marriage that I just got into. And so um, I wrestled with God for about 15 minutes laying there that I didn't want to tell anyone because no one knew all these years. You know, I was, um, you know, 37 years old and didn't want to tell anyone about the sexual abuse I'd endured, you know, for over almost 14 years. And so, but I woke my husband up and told him about the sexual abuse. And of course, you know, like God just had shown me, he was just going to, he embraced me and just told me that we were going to get through this um, and that um, he believed me and that, you know, he wasn't going to leave me and that he would help me. Praise the Lord. You know, that's another um, thing that the enemy uses is secrets. What were we talking yeah. about last night? What were we talking about fear, last night? Fear. fear. Yeah, fear. Fear. Fear, fear, fear holds yeah. everything back. Fear holds it. Fears from the enemy. So yes. how did y'all get started in in this ministry? Well, um, okay, so then I started, after I told him about that, I started having dreams and visions at the end of um, December. I started having dreams and visions of the Lord speaking to me about um, training up warriors. And not, I'm just a baby Christian. Remember, I just got saved November 1st. <laughs> So this seems kind of crazy to me. I'm having these dreams and having visions of what I'm supposed to do, how the enemy was taking out hit people and how they weren't being led closer to him. They were being led further away from him. And, uh, you know, and that they don't know who they're fighting and what they're fighting against. They think they're fighting, you know, meth. It's a spirit of addiction, right. you know. It's, yeah, so it's, the, it's the thing showing not me, the using. No. Yes. Yeah. So it was showing me these things. And I needed to teach people about the enemy and we're in Christ. And so um, I started writing all this stuff down. I 
Lenore, the church I'm can, starting can, going can, to. Can you, Lenore, can you hold one second? We're about to go to break, and we'll, okay. we'll pick you up on the other side. If you don't mind holding for three okay. minutes, we'll pick back up. And uh, Pastor Anderson, we're, 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 please hold as well. Tony? This is Recovery Radio Houston. We'll be back in just about 129 seconds. Amen. You are not hidden There's never been a moment You were forgotten You are not hopeless Though you have been broken Your innocence stolen I hear you whisper You're listening to Recovery Radio Houston And before we go back to our interview with uh, Lenora Purvis Who who uh, runs a ministry called Heaven's Army. Uh, I want to lift somebody up in prayer. Father God, we come to you and, and we pray for your, your servant and your sister, your, your beautiful child, Becca. Father, you know where she's at right now. You know what she's doing. Um, you know what she needs. 
Um, you, you know what needs to come into her heart for things to change. Father, uh, we please direct her path, put people in her path to, to change her life, to, to, to where she turns her will and her everything over to you, Father, and, and whatever program she needs, whatever ministry she needs to be guided to. Uh, Father, she's got so much potential, and you know that potential, and I know that you have a mighty purpose for her in her life that she just hasn't realized yet. Father, keep her safe and direct her towards that purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to pick back up with uh, Lenora on line one. Lenora, you are a baby Christian. Thanks for holding with us, and you've yeah. having, the Lord's telling you that uh, that people are fighting the wrong battle. They're trying to fight a battle uh, against the natural and the flesh, and they need to be realizing they're engaged in supernatural warfare, and they need yeah. something that something more uh, than, than just their own willpower. They need they need yeah. direction. They need somebody in their heart and their mind. So, when did you start your ministry? Um, I was baptized January the 10th, and on February the 2nd, I found that heaven's army. Um, that is amazing. I, so November 1st, <laughs> you're, you're saved. January saved, 2nd, yeah. you're baptized, and and you found heaven's army in February. That Praise the Lord. You February know? 3rd? February 3rd. 1, 2, and 3. 1, 2, and 3. Super Bowl weekend. And, and, How does that work? Well, three is a good number. That's three days Jesus rose. I, <laughs> I love that number. So it's also right. my birthday in May. But in any event, uh, so that, you know, people don't realize how quickly God can use you mm. if you're obedient. Yeah. And, you know, they yeah. think, well, I've got to have 20 years. No, you don't. <laughs> you can, no. God, no. God wants to rise you when up I, right now. Right. So, yes. When I started Heaven's Army, I started teaching um, Bible studies, and what I would do is I would go to church on Wednesday and Sunday, and I would take as many notes as I could, and then I would hold a Bible study for women, and uh, because I knew my life was changing, and even in the small steps that I, the, the steps I was taking, I wanted others to to, to also have those same changes. And so I figured if I go to church and take all these notes and share with people what I was hearing that was changing my life, it will help somebody else um, change their life. And so I remember holding these Bible studies and just like I said, baby Christian, and you know I would go over all my notes and then they would, you know, I said, look, please don't ask me any questions right now because I really don't know all I have is what's in front of me. But if you have a question, I will go ask somebody and I'll come back and tell you um, because I just, I didn't even know like the books of the Bible. I didn't know where to find anything. I was just so new in my walk, but, but God, I didn't let that stop me. But God, but God helped you, didn't he? He helped you yes. have the right answers and he, he gave people patience yes. with you. And like you said, I, there's a place where you can look it all up. Amen. That's called the Holy Bible. Yes. So, yeah, so, yeah. So and so I would literally walk in, but then, you know, in there and I would like, Lord, you know, I don't even know anything. And, and you're trusting these people before me. And I'm asking you just to speak through me because I don't know what I'm saying. You know, um, I just need you to speak through me. I'm only a vessel. Yeah. But you know what? You, you know what? The, the, the God is love. And if we just remember yeah. that, he is love. Yeah. And if we just love people, then we're being Christian. And, you know, yeah. the rest of it, we, you know, comes with time. And, and they're, they're, the Bible is incredible. It teaches us how to live. But if we just follow that principle and love people and, and love the unlovable. So when did you, when did you start yeah. with a home where people could go, where women could go? Okay. Well, I, I started having army until I, you know, I was giving out food. I was doing clothing. I was holding Bible studies. One Bible study uh, in February led to 26 different services 
um, by the time of 2015, all led by volunteers. I have Hmm. no paid staff. I haven't had a paid staff since 2010, including myself, and I do not uh, receive any government or state grants. Everything is by volunteers and by love offerings, um, you know, and and, and things. So, um, but whenever I would lead these Bible studies and we had all these different services, I was meeting so many people within the community and I was meeting um, women that were on drugs or they were selling themselves to feed their families and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And I was like, that's not the way to live, you know. If you ever want out, please call me. I'll help you. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. So, you know, I'm finding resources of different local shelters and, you know, places I could put these women when they would, because, you know what, they started calling me. And I was like, oh, gosh, now what, Lord, they're calling me. What do I do? And so I would go and take them out of the place that they were in, you know, crack houses and everywhere else. And, and I would put them in places, but then I would, you know, they had trusted me at that point. Right. And I would, when I would go, I said, you can trust me. I, I don't, I'm going to put you here, but I'm going to be with you through this walk. And I, I'll call you, I'll check on you, I'll be your friend. But when I would call back um, to check on them, they were already gone again. Yeah. And so I didn't, what was missing, I didn't understand because I, I knew their hearts were to come out of that lifestyle, but something was missing. And so I, you know, I prayed about it and I fasted and the Lord just showed me it was discipleship. They don't know who they are and they don't know what they're, what they're fighting against. They don't understand the the warfare that they're in and the battle of the mind that's taking place. Right. And so I, and what was needed was discipleship. They needed to be disciples. It's not about just putting them somewhere in a bed or giving them shelter and then getting them a job. Yeah. If I can get any of these ladies a job tomorrow, well, but it's if they like, haven't healed. It's kind of like if you just threw kids in a building, they wouldn't call yeah. it a school. They'd just call it a building with kids in it they need structure yeah they need direction and you know i'm on these forums on on facebook and i'm reading these messages this week and people are like i went through detox and and then i made it a week and then you know but that that, people need longer than that they've got to they've got to they've got to get their minds right they've got to to know that they're loved they've got to understand that god's got a purpose for them and you don't get that in in three days in a shelter so how did you get a how did you get a house how did how did that happen and so i started praying um, and for a home, and because I knew God was telling me that, you know, this is what it was about discipleship, and I was like, Lord, if you give me a home, help me with a home, then I will disciple these women. You know, I will disciple them. I'll pour them. It's, I'm a, even though I provide shelter for women, I'm not a shelter. You know, that's one thing. I'm not a shelter. I, even though I provide a safe home for these women, I'm not a safe house. Right. And even though I provide rehabilitation for them, I'm not a rehab. I'm a character-building program that teaches women how to walk in the likeness of Jesus and lifestyle worshiping. This becomes their lifestyle. It's such strict discipline. It's spiritual boot camp. I mean, it's it's tough. Um you know, it, it, and it, I imagine you, you got to want to change. Yeah, you, I imagine you get some resistance. People say a year, but you know. Yeah. But they've spent they spent five years, ten years, twenty years getting to the point where they're yeah. at, and they're not going to come out yeah. of it immediately, you know. And and so they've got the rest of their lives. They've got another twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years. Yeah. And if they devote this yeah. one year, that'll change them forever. So I mean, that's exactly what I tell them. Yeah. Yes. Well, not only their time yeah. on earth, I always tell guys, 
what is one year of your life compared to your eternity? Because exactly. you're yeah. trying to deal with your eternity exactly. here, too. You know, Lenore, uh, we're going to have to get you back on, and maybe as early as next week. We've got one more guest holding. But uh, just real quickly, okay. if you could, because this is an amazing story. And, I, uh, you know, I want I want people to to hear the hope, the encouragement, that, that, that God's got a plan for them. And, and, and yes. it's worth this commitment, to, to, to as Tony just said, for eternity. My goodness. But, right. but also yes. so they can live the abundant life that Christ wants for them when they're here so yeah. uh, but uh, real quickly could you tell us about about your experience with uh, you've actually you're a survivor of COVID-19 tell us what happened yes yes um on um the Tuesday morning um I woke up and I was teaching Bible studies with the ladies all day and I had like a slight tickle in my throat um didn't think as much of it um, I wasn't sick. I wasn't achy. I had no fever. Um, the doors had been open all day, uh, you know, and so I was thinking it was the pollen coming in. And so I asked the ladies to shut the door and didn't think much of it. Wednesday, I wake up, still nothing. Uh, don't have the cough anymore. Um, and I take them to volunteer at a local food pantry to do their service hours. I come back to meet the appraiser because we're trying to buy our home that we're currently in. And um, and so I meet the appraiser. And when I'm leaving, I just feel something different within my body, like something, um, I don't know, like I started feeling achy all over and stuff. And so when I leave, I can stop in at Walmart, grab a thermometer, go pick up the ladies. I come back, and by that time, I'm feeling really bad. And I tell them, I'm just going to go lay down for a little bit. And um, when I woke back up, I had 103 fever. Wow. Um, I called the hospital and uh, my friend that works there, and I said, like, hey, you know, I had this little tickle in my throat yesterday. Um, my body is in severe aches right now, and I'm having, I have 103 fever. And um, after um, a little bit of arguing, they finally convinced me to go into the hospital. I hadn't been to a doctor in 17 years uh, since I had my doc. My daughter was the only. So, so- I'm, I'm never sick. And so... Um, she, I was like, you know, don't, I don't want to overreact, you know. But anyway, I ended up going to the hospital. They got me back, and they were just amazing um, at Cleveland Emergency Hospital and um, took care of me to run every test possible, and everything came back negative. And so they came back in there and said, we're going to have to test you for the coronavirus. And I kind of gave them a look like, what? And um, they tested me, and they sent me home and said, I need you to go home, but I need you to quarantine yourself into a room by yourself until you get your results back. And so I did. I quarantined myself upstairs at the women's home because I couldn't leave them here by themselves because I run a, this home. And so uh, my family left and went to uh, a different home, our home, because um, they stayed at our home, my home. And um, my daughter stayed here with me, my youngest daughter, with me and the ladies. And I stayed upstairs and the ladies stayed downstairs. And um, it just, uh, 14 days, that was on the 18th um, of March, on, and I had... I was sick all the way to the 30th. Did you go to and the hospital then, for a while? I think I saw No, you. I never went in the hospital. Oh, okay. I never went in the hospital. So you didn't have to get and, on a ventilator. And so, but you're, no. you're, you're well now and uh, the Lord brought you through it and praise the I Lord. Took, yes. I only took all vitamins and I did some, did, um, you know, it was literally, I, this is what I would say. This is the story and the message I want to get out through this is we don't have TV or media in our home. And the women's home. And so there was no negativity at all. None. Yeah, that's so they didn't know any there was no fear. I didn't yeah, fear. fear. Um I had no you. fear within me. I believed that God was going to heal me and I trusted in that. 
the, the ladies would be downstairs reading their work, playing praise and worship, and praying for me. And I was reading all the comments and messages I was receiving that was all positive. You know, over thousands of messages were nothing but good and prayers. And I truly believe that that's what um, got me through all this was the prayers and the lack of no you know, fear. And when it comes to recovery, no every, everything in life, it's it's a positive. Lenora, thank you for calling in. Uh, HeavensArmy.com, is that your website? Uh, no, HeavensArmy-TX.org. TX.org. You know, ladies yes. out there, if you want to change your life, this is an opportunity. God will do it. And Lenora's just being obedient, and she's just doing what God's called her to do. We're going to have to do this again, because I know you've got a yes. lot more to say, and, and uh, <laughs> I want as many people out there to know about this hope and encouragement. But thank you so much for calling in yes. tonight, and God bless you. And, thank and I'm you. so thank happy you, Lenora. you. Thanks for calling. Thank you so we'll t- much. Thank talk you. to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh-huh, bye-bye. Okay, we've got uh, Pastor Anderson, who has been so patient. Pastor Anderson, thank you so much for hanging in there and being patient. We really appreciate it. This has been Recovery Radio. Thank you. Good night. I'm so sorry. I'm not. <laughs> He's kidding. Not a problem. He's kidding. Not a He's kidding. All right. Well, thank you for holding. I know you've been holding for a uh, long time. But in any event. Hey, it's okay. Yeah, well, thank you. I hope you've been enjoying the program so far. Uh, definitely. Uh, okay, well, praise the Lord. Now, uh, you are uh, one of the executives at the Crosswalk Center, and uh, I am. I'm the housing and program director. Housing and program director, and this show is about hope and encouragement. And if I've come across a program that gives hope and encouragement to people that need it, this is it. I was reading about your program today, and I am so impressed. But I'll let you tell about it rather than me. Tell us about your program, your your ministry. Well, we're Crosswalk Center. Uh, We are located at 2103 North Main, uh, downtown Houston, Um, uh, and uh, we are a holistic reentry program. We start working with men uh, and women on the inside, and we walk all the way through uh, to the outside with them. Our housing program is six months long, but what what we've come to realize is uh, after about six months, they family, they don't want to leave. Uh, so, and so, so we've had guys there as long as 18 months now. So. You say the inside, the inside of where? Inside of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. So oh. we start working with men and women while they are incarcerated. Wow. Uh, and we walk them all the way through to reentry and stabilization on the outside. That is just amazing. So... You are working with, you know, the the thing about it is, is that uh, as I've learned through ministry is Jesus is with us everywhere, but man, he's really with the men and women in prison. Uh, You know, he wants them to change. He wants them to know that he loves them. He wants them to know that he's still got a purpose in their life and that their life is just beginning. So uh, this is amazing. How, so how do you how, – how do men that are you, – your ministry is just to men, correct? We minister to both men and women. We have uh, – uh, we're, we're farther along the process with men, but we minister also to women. We have uh, a female director that is – uh, kind of doing what I do uh, on a volunteer basis uh, as we ramp up uh, that side. But for the most part, we minister to men. So how would a man that's in the Texas Department of Corrections learn about your program? How would you know that some man was interested? So we have a program uh, uh, that's called Stepping Out. So I'll give you the whole history of it. So cool. since we're yes. in an oil and gas industry, we have 
uh, uh, set our program up like oil and gas. So we have uh, three veins. We have what we call upstream. That's everything that happens on inside the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Okay. Then we have midstream. That's everything that emanates from our headquarters on Main Street. And then what we have is downstream. That's everything that emanates from our halfway houses, or we call them discipleship homes. Uh, 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 and so if a man is, is interested in getting involved with our program, what they would need to do is, is contact their chaplain. And on units, we have a program that is called Stepping Out. And uh, if it's on their unit, then uh, then they need to get in that class. That class is 40 weeks long, and it's about discipleship because this journey from in reentry is really about relationship. Uh, uh, there are some wonderful, John, wonderful programs that work on the inside, uh, and then the problem is when men get out, then there's no support for them. Right. Um, uh, I happen to be... Uh, uh, used to work for the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, and I used to always hear people say uh, that men go to prison and they get jailhouse religion. And that's not really what happens. What happens is men encounter God inside the penitentiary, but that encounter is in an incubator. Uh, 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 that encounter is in a situation where they a lot of things they cannot do, and there's a lot of temptations they can't get into. Not only that, but the other offenders and friends help them stay holy. Why? Because they're watching their every step of their life, and if a person is not real, they expose them. And so what ends up happening, they go 10, 15, 20 years of being saved in a penitentiary, and then they get out, and all of a sudden, they're out of the incubator, and things that they've never been tempted with in their lives, now they're tempted with, and they don't know how to handle that. And so what we do at Crosswalk, and you stop me and, and chime in when you want to, because you can tell I'm excited about this. What we do at I'm Crosswalk, loving it. You keep going, brother. <laughs> we start with them on the inside and understand that we walk with them uh, through this process, but let them know that we're not just going to walk you through and abandon you when you get out. When you get out, if you choose to, because this volunteer... If you choose to walk with us, we will walk with you until you stabilize. And the great thing about it is it's that relationship that's built on the inside that gives us the right to speak into their lives on the outside. So you're like a transitional ministry. We are. We are. We transition them from inside to outside. You know, it's often been said that one of the loneliest places on earth is when you walk out of jail. Because yes, you, yes, you, if you have nobody there waiting to get you. I knew a guy yes, one time yes. who walked from downtown lockup, right, all the way back up to Humble. He mm. walked in the summer with no shoes. Mm. Mm. He, I, I, I'm, I've heard stories like that over and over again where people, they don't have any bus money. They don't have any Well, what I love about, what, what, about what I'm hearing about this program is because it's the same thing is true in, in addiction. When we're alone, when we're isolated, mm-hmm. when we think nobody loves us, nobody cares, mm-hmm. then the enemy's got us, man. He's, yeah. he's got us there, and he's waiting to attack yes, us. He's out there like a roaring lion, and uh, mm-hmm. you know he's going to grab us. So y'all start with them inside. I think I read uh, that they have to be within two years of parole. Is that right? Yeah, so we begin our classes. They have to be within 
two years of parole eligibility. Uh, with Texas Department of Criminal Justice, there is no uh, guarantees of parole. So we sure. start with them within two years of eligibility, and they go through our 40-week class as uh, where we start some uh, some some discipleship and some 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 development of of their Christianity and how to live that out, but with a clear uh, objective of of beginning the thought process of how do you live what you've learned inside on the outside, and mm-hmm. and then then once they they make parole, we pair them with a coach, and that coach walks with them uh, for the first six months, uh, meeting with them at least once a week for hour. Uh, because of COVID nineteen and because of some 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 new challenges, we're we're, we're kind of revamping our program. Uh, 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 maybe going to a more a Zoom or online base so that uh, we can we can engage some more coaches in this process. But it's that walking with them that makes the difference. And I'll give you this example, and then we'll go from there. I had a guy. I'm looking at your time, and I can talk. I had a guy that got out, and he had what is called a GPS monitor on. That means that two weeks before he goes somewhere, he needs to know where he's going, and he has to have what time he's going to be there. Put on a sheet for his parole officer, and he cannot deviate from it. He was an older gentleman, and he had been incarcerated for a lot of years. Uh, all he wanted to do was go to church. But oh, what they don't realize that sometimes in the background, parole officers have to get permission for guys to go to church. And so he calls me up one day because of our relationship, and he says, Pastor Anderson, I am going to cut this monitor off, and oh, I'm no. going to church. Hmm. I'm going to go to church every Sunday until they come pick me up. When they pick me up, I'm going to go back to the penitentiary, and I can go to the church every Sunday until I die. I spoke to him, and I said, no, you're not. I'm on my way to you. I drove to him and talked him down. This is the importance of coaching. I talked him down and said, I know at least 2,000 men that would like to be in the position that you are. He did not cut that monitor off. The next time he went to parole, they gave him permission to go to church. In my last talking to him, he was now a deacon in his church. Oh, praise the Lord. That's amazing. It's just in that time when it's ready to make a decision where crosswalk comes in. So we're there walking them through this process because they're going to have hard times. But they need somebody to walk them through through it to make a better decision sometimes. And that's just about waiting. That's just about reminding them that they're not in this by themselves. And and because we saw them inside out, we can remind them that Jesus brought them out of the prison. Come, hello, somebody. And if he brought him this far, <laughs> he's going to take him the rest of the way. And is that in – okay, I'll stop. Is it's that okay, Charles. It's just I don't think you – you're thinking we got till right up till nine uh, till 10 o'clock. We don't. We actually have about 30 seconds. I want to ask you a quick question. How – do you just – do you uh, provide for these guys through offerings or state grants? Or what do you – how do you operate? So, so all of our donation – all of our operation fees comes from – uh, donations from foundations and uh, from from fundraisers, uh, and and, and I, we help our guys get jobs, and so we help them get jobs, and they pay program fees, which is enough to cover the discipleship houses when it's running properly, and we, that's our goal is to be self-efficient so that we can expand where we can just break even, and the rest are from donations from 
a men and women right. we, uh, that, that God has put it on their heart to give to us. Amen. We're going to have to continue this. Will you agree to come on our program again very soon? Cause, I will. Uh, Anytime you want to. Uh, all right. It's an amazing story. talking about what we do. Yeah, because okay, yeah. Yeah, people need to know about this. They need to be able to know to help. Uh, Crosswalk Center. Look it up. Email it. By the way, you have a minute. You have a churches to partner with. You and I need to talk we, about that. because My church is going to sign up. New Covenant Church, Greater Heights. Thank you so much for being here. You've been right. with Recovery Radio Houston. What Amen. a wonderful evening. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back next week at night.